Nothing quite like preaching with wet socks. Like baptism, the Lord's Supper is a road sign pointing us down the gospel highway. While baptism is an initiation rite that happens one time at the beginning of the Christian life, the Lord's Supper is an oft-repeated gospel reminder. The Lord's Supper, too, like baptism, serves as a picture of the gospel. Now, the picture that we get in the Lord's Supper is a little bit different because it reminds us both to look backwards to the Passover but also to look forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so in one sense, I'd like, uh, I'd like for us to talk in the first sense of how uh, the Lord's Supper reminds us to look back to the Passover. So if you have your copy of the Scriptures, please turn to Exodus chapter 12. In the Passover, we get a clear picture of God as our deliverer and as our redeemer. And we get a foreshadowing of the gospel. You'll remember that the Lord's Supper was formerly known as the Last Supper. And it was the last time Jesus partook of the Passover meal. So the Jewish observation of the Passover was the seed out of which the New Testament Lord's Supper emerged. And Jesus transformed the Passover meal into what we now know as the Lord's Supper. And as we look at Exodus chapter 12, we will learn uh, three important things from this Old Testament passage that are good reminders for us about the Lord's Supper. Look with me at verses 3 through 5 of Exodus chapter 12. The Lord tells Moses, Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying on the tenth of this month, they are each one to take a lamb for themselves according to their father's households. A lamb for each household. Now, if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his neighbor nearest to his house are to take one according to the number of persons in them. According to what each man should eat, you are to divide the lamb. Your lamb shall be an unblemished male, one year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. The very first thing I I think that we see is we remember back to the Passover is the necessity of a perfect sacrifice. The necessity of a perfect sacrifice. As we prepare to take the Lord's Supper, and as we remember the Old Testament roots of our New Testament faith, we do well to acknowledge that we are only able to to partake of the Lord's Supper because of the sacrifice that the sinless Son of God has made for us. We do well to remember that there is no other way of salvation except through the Lamb of God slain for our sins. And in similar fashion to the Old Testament sacrificial lamb that we see pictured in the Passover meal, we believe that Christ's sacrifice was effective because He did what we could not do. He lived a sinlessly perfect life. It is not as if Jesus just woke up one day and agreed to die for our sins. For 33 years, he actively obeyed God and obeyed him perfectly where we had failed so miserably. He kept himself pure that he might be a perfect sacrifice in the same way that Jewish men were to take an unblemished male from among their flocks. Secondly, in 
Exodus verse, chapter 12, verses 5 and 6, we see the importance of identification. He says this, you shall, Your lamb shall be an unblemished male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. And then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. There's a very small detail here that I think we pass over if we we read too quickly. This lamb had lived among them for at least one year. This is a cute and cuddly animal that your kids get attached to. Now, they weren't pets like we think of pets. They certainly weren't surrogate family members. But they were cute animals, at least one year old. They lived with this lamb. And they didn't simply go to Walmart the day before their sacrifices were due and pick up something that really meant nothing to them. They, this was the best of their flock. And they identified with it because it was theirs. They didn't go to their neighbor and say, you know, I really don't want to give mine up. Mine are better than yours. Why don't you give me one of yours? Similarly, in the Lord's Supper, it is not enough, as we just heard Drew speak so eloquently, to simply believe facts intellectually about who Jesus is. We must identify with Christ and believe that just as they identified with their lamb, it's not enough for us to believe generically that Jesus died for sins. We have to believe that Jesus died for our sins. It's not enough to believe that Jesus was a sacrifice. We have to believe that Jesus was my sacrifice. And so in this Old Testament passage, we see the necessity of a perfect sacrifice. We see the importance of identification. But we also see, thirdly, the necessity of blood and substitution. Look with me at verse 7 and then verses 12 through 13. Moreover, after you have killed the lamb, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat. Verse 12. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments, for I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. In this Old Testament passage, it was through the blood of the Lamb that they were saved. It served as the identifying mark. Everyone in the land of Egypt was accursed unless the blood of the Lamb was on their doorpost. It served as the identifying mark to the destroying angel. Do not touch this household. They belong to me. Everyone in Egypt was condemned to die except for those who had the blood. In the same way, the New Testament tells us that all men are sinners and are condemned to die and spend eternity away from God unless the blood of Christ covers them. And so we see several important things that inform and educate us as we think about the sacrifice and ponder the magnificence of what Christ has done for us in the cross. And it is indeed a somber celebration. A perfect sacrifice, something that costs us. 
something that we identify with, understanding that that lamb stood in our place and offered its blood as a substitute for our blood. And so while the Passover reminds us of important truths related to our celebration of the Lord's Supper, we're not only to look backwards, because the Lord's Supper functions as a sign that points both backwards in history and forward, forwards to the future. The Lord's Supper also reminds us to look forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb. In Revelation chapter 19, verses 7 through 9. In this beautiful passage, John says this, Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to Him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Write, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are true words of God. It's interesting that it is the marriage of the Lamb. It connects John the Baptist's testimony about who Christ was with the sacrificial lamb of the Old Testament. And this is a very different picture than the solemn, perhaps even scary picture of that dreadful Passover night. This is a picture of not waiting in a dark room for something mysterious to happen outside. This is a picture of feasting and celebration as we finally and fully recognize the victory of God. It's interesting that when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, he said these words, This is the cup, this is my blood, and I will not drink of the fruit of the vine again until my kingdom comes. Jesus is pointing to this very celebration meal to finally say, it is completely finished. It is done. And as such, the Lord's Supper is a time of celebration. Certainly we should celebrate with reverence, But we're not celebrating a funeral. We're celebrating a resurrection. And so there should be a triumphant note of joy that permeates everything that we do when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And so as we have the opportunity to move into our time of celebrating the Lord's Supper, I invite you to pray with me as our deacons come forward to prepare the elements. Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your gospel. You are a great God, and we pray that today, as we have this opportunity to take of this bread, to drink of this cup, that you will help us to do so in faith, that we will trust you as Lord and Savior and live in obedience to you as our great and glorious high priest and king. In Jesus' name, amen.